Okay, and here I am. Live, I think. Very impromptu, early stream. Kids are still up, so... And uh, we've had storms, so I don't know whether the internet will hold out. But we have four people watching. I'm just finishing my little espresso. Oh, this might just... This might just collapse. Gonna wait a minute, see if it dies out. Hmm. Well, ooh, looks like there's lag from four people, it's down to one, so I don't know if I'm dropping some people there. Uh, I'm gonna type in the chat box here. Let me know if it lags. Nocturna Magna. Hmm. Big night. Okay, back to four. Hello, Cordo. Hello, Caleb. No, good. All right, looks like maybe there's a little bit of lag, but maybe it'll hold. As you can tell, I'm in my finest clothes. <laughs> so, today, uh, as, as you can also tell, it's a little bit chilly. I've got one, two, three four yeah, four layers and uh, <clears throat> so what we did today after I uh, went up on the roofs again yesterday I fixed one of the shed roofs that was still had a couple of little leaks and um, uh, then I, I did part of there's like a, a section of the house that's not really part of the house it's attached to the house that also has a tiny, tiny leak, but it's just upsetting me because I've done it like twice. So I've gone up there, filled it up with foam, but then I want to do another cap on top of it. I haven't had a chance to finish that today because although it was sunny, um, I wanted to get some olives because in theory, there's probably, I don't know, you know, theoretically, there's like six grand's worth of olives on the trees or thereabouts, but um, the trees had to be uh, pruned, which we only trimmed about probably less than half the trees that I've got uh, because we didn't get to it. And then you've got to clean the area under the tree, and we didn't get to do that. You've got to clean all the area under the tree, kill everything that's pretty much around the tree, um, cut all the grass around it, make sure that all the sticks that you've pruned and whatever are out of the way. And then you can put nets down to then shake the tree with the little automated... I don't know what they're called in English, but it's, it's it looks like like a big hand thing, and the the, the little sticks vibrate, and knocks all the olives down. That's the you know they're about seven hundred bucks these things, or you can pluck them by hand with a little bucket. You climb up the ladder, you put a bucket attached to you, and you just pluck them by hand, or you get these little plastic rakes that you just sort of rake the plant, and you again pick them up in the net. So I bought, the first net I bought was um, it was because it was the only one in the hardware store, it was 10 meters by 10 meters, which is like pointless because there's no, I don't have a patch of cleared off trimmed grass without any sticks and thorns and stuff of that size. So that was just a waste. But, you know, it'll come in handy some other time. And then I bought, I managed to order one online that's just three by four meters and that's ideal. And even though we haven't really cleaned properly under the trees, 
and we only did about three did we move, yeah we moved it three times so three small little trees we collected about 20 kilos of olives and it was you know myself and the wife with the kids strapped to her and and the other kids and um the baby is the coolest one you know when she plucked a little olive and she just Ah, okay, throw it in the net. She throws it in the net. She's like, so excited about it. And then she gets pissed off if you don't let her pluck it by herself. So, um. <laughs> Cordell Mitchell, that, that's probably the funniest thing I've read in a month. Can you use a leaf blower to remove the debris from under the tree? No. Let me put it this way. If you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons, think of a gibbering mouther mixed in with a mind flare, mixed in with like zombie vines, poisonous thorns, and flesh-eating plants, human-sized. Then you're starting to approach the kind of cleansing that we need to do under the olive trees. Also, olive trees will shoot off their own little shoots which will also suck food from the tree. So you've got to kill everything around it. And then you've got to murder the little children of the tree so that the food only goes to the, you know, the bits that you've left alive. Uh, so yeah, no, and, and plus olive trees are weird. Like you, when you prune them, you have to prune them so that the branches that like hang go overhang, they're the ones that produce olives. Now, the thing is that out of three trees, we got like about 20 kilos of olives using you know, not the best method to collect them, not in the best, by the time, you know, I finished the last three, it was like getting almost dark, so I couldn't really see the olives anymore properly, uh, so in about two hours, we collected about 20 kilograms, but I reckon two men working, you know, properly can easily collect 100 kilos a day, no, no problem, the old man, the next door neighbor, he's got like one of those vibrating things. I just bought two of the little rakes because I thought there's no point in me blowing 700 bucks that I don't really have to piss away on something that I don't know, if, you know, is it even worth it? Um, you know, I reckon two guys working properly can easily collect under it. But the old man with the, with the little machine by himself, he collected like 300 kilos in a day. So, you know, even using but that shows you like modern technology and tools against the old ways you know it's it's very labor intensive stuff um but um the other issue is that it's a, in a way it's been good for me because it's a really late season usually you've picked the olives already by this time uh, we're in december now usually you pick the olives around october but it was just a long season some of the olives are still green and stuff so it's been good in that it's given me time because I've had so much other crap to deal with. It's just unreal. Another thing I've managed to do is I bought, uh, I don't know what it, there's no name for it in English. It's like, we call it thermo cucina, which if you translate literally means thermo kitchen. So it's a big giant wood stove that um, you can cook on. It's got an oven and it's got like a hot plate at the top. Um, so you can use it to cook like a normal oven and hob, but it's all wood powered. And it heats all the water for the radiators. And it also heats all the water for showering, you know, sanitary water, what we call drinking water, let's say. Um, the problem is that my drinking water pipes are across the kitchen. So either I've got to cut a channel into the floor 
or gotta put pipes over the door it's just a mess i don't i don't know i'm gonna have to figure some way out i don't really want to cut the channel into the floor because one of the good things about this house is there's no humidity coming up from the floor so i don't want to screw that up in case you know one of the few things that that I call him the Jew because the way he did things, but um, it's one of the few things that's done quite well. Everything else that he's touched, it's just turned to shit all over the place. So, you know, I got a bunch of stuff to do. But anyway, even if I don't collect another single olive, which would hurt me because, you know, what I was saying is um, the mills, the mills that produce the olive oils, they close soon. They're closing, you know, before Christmas, they close. So... I don't know whether I'm going to get a chance to um, um, to actually get get all the olives to the to the mill to make olive oil out of it because you have to have a minimum of I think it's, it's about 300 kilos or something like that 250 300 kilos to um, to be able for the mill to take your order you know to take your olives and, and do it and if you don't have enough I think they mix it with other people's oil and whatever and I'd prefer to have my own. But if I don't get the chance to collect all the olives in time, um, we're going to get a bunch of jars. Now, my wife is, is a hoarder, so she's got a bunch of jars that um, I didn't even know she had. And I'm just going to put all the olives in jars. Um, when we first got here, I was in February or so, about March or something, I picked what was left on the trees, a few olives, and I put them in a jar. And right away, they tasted pretty grim. But six months later, you eat them now, they're good. Kids like them, I like them. So um, push comes to shove, I'm going to shove a bunch of olives in jars because my kids, for whatever reason, they all eat olives. Like they'll, They can eat a jar by themselves. So I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so I don't think they'll go to waste. But it would be cool to have my own olive oil and see, see how that goes. But, you know, between 20 kilos of olives, three three cherry green tomatoes admittedly two were popped open and the inch long carrots of which we had two i think you know i'm now a farmer i'm now a successful farmer obviously we can live off the land <laughs> my, my point in telling you this is that um those of you that might be buying into the whole oh I, i'm going to homestead it'll be such fun you have no fucking clue it's, I, I did know that it was going to be extremely hard work. And, I'm, you know, I'm not a farmer. I've never been a farmer. I don't intend to be a farmer. Uh, my uh, my preferred status is a baron slash warlord, king slash emperor inquisitor. Um, I'm happy to protect the serfs that can work the land. <laughs> and I really mean that. But, um, you know, the, the point is... If you've got like half an acre of land and a family of like five, it's plenty. It's enough for you to grow whatever you're going to grow on. Now, if you're going to have goats and chickens and cows, okay, great, get some more. But you don't have any idea the kind of work, you know, and, and keep, keep in mind, you know, chickens and goats and cows, they got to eat. They got to eat grass. They got to be fed. They got to be watered. You know, there's a huge amount of work. Um, it's quite nice work. I, I do quite enjoy it, but you know, it's it's not like, oh yes, you know, 
I was telling my wife today, and she, you know, while, while we're busy with the net, and she's got the kid on one hand, she's trying to pick a few olives by hand with the other, and, and then I'm, you know, once once you've shaken all the stuff out of the trees, you have to like collect them in the net and then put them in a big bucket, and then you have to transfer them to like other like cases that have got like holes at the bottom, so that if it rains. They don't get rotten and don't sit in water. And you've got to cover them up because we've got wild cats and the wild cats will climb on the olives and piss on them. And you don't want that in your olive oil. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff to do. And anyway, like it's getting dark, it's cold. You know, one of the kids is crying and we're getting this last bit. And I'm like, well, darling, isn't it great? Hey, here you are in sunny Italy plucking olives. Did you ever think you'd be married to an Italian? plucking olives in the olive groves of Italy and she's like no I fucking didn't <laughs> and I was like but if 10 years ago when 11 12 whatever when we first met somebody had told you one day or even before you met me one day you'll be married to a handsome Italian man you'll have four kids and you'll be plucking olives in the olive groves you would have been so happy wouldn't you and she goes yeah just goes to fucking show. <laughs> Don't know what you're asking for. <laughs> you know, obviously, we're slightly sarcastic with each other, but <laughs> I thought, you know, the idyllic idea of um, plucking olives off the trees is 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 quite different from the reality of it. Let's put it that way. So I just wanted to let you guys know. Hello, Margareta. Um, I believe I've pinged you an email, or the two emails. Uh, so you should have, you, you should be receiving a couple of emails in the next few days or day or so. Um, so hopefully that will take care of um, what you were asking. Let me just quickly see who's here. Oh, yes, hello, Chad. Of course, all the, the usuals. Okay, Altoid can hear the little Viking. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to know which one of them at the moment because they all have no volume control apparently. Okay, good. There's a slight delay, but frame rate and everything is good. Um. <laughs> Cordell says, hmm, so no to the leaf blower then. Yes, um, you know, you need a small army of people that are trained to fight Chutulu to clean my olive trees. You have to keep in mind we have two, two rows of, um, of uh, grapes, of vines, of different grape, I forget the names. Um, and these things have been left to to themselves for three years. So me and the most loyal uh, Sede, uh, we spent, I don't know how many days, and actually we had a, a bunch of us, a couple of other Sede guys and, and girls came to like help because the two lines of vines were now two lines of brambles, literally brambles. So we had to pull them up by the roots. It was hellish work because it's a devil plant brambles. And we didn't even really completely finish. It's just like clear that thing. And, you know, as soon as it rains, all the weeds come out. Every weed will grow like a meter. But the potatoes we tried to plant, the carrots, <laughs> the tomatoes, it's all just absolutely fuck all came out of there. Um, we haven't built a, a greenhouse. I don't know if I will or won't. I still think, um, as you can tell, that so-called global warming is a lie and I believe that we're in for the ice age so if I'm lucky we're gonna have a sudden pole shift 
that puts our particular part of Italy in a more temperate climate with the Ice Age, which I'm thinking the equator, probably. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Gets rid of all the idiots, <laughs> puts me in a, in a better geographical position where I don't have winter, and, and we're good. Yeah, uh, Daniel heard something about olives. Is that the only way to make sure you get real olive oil? Oh yeah, um, the olive oil that you buy in shops, I'm finding out, has got very little to do with the olive oil that I can now make. And you know, there's different, um, you can get like mini olive oil juicers or whatever you call them that actually grind about, you know, 10 kilos of olives or whatever to give you like a liter or something of oil. Uh, like home ones, you know. And um, I don't know, I'm thinking of getting one because, quite frankly, for this year, I, you know, it's I doubt that, that I'll get even half of the olives that I've got on trees. You, you can tell I'm wearing the latest fashion in olive picking, um, uh, how do you call it, um, couture, you know. It's, uh, there you go. It's th that's that's a design, you know. It's designed to like make sure that you catch on the on the trees as you go past because that's always helpful. <clears throat> yeah, none of that Tunisian crap. Yeah, no, uh, olive oil globally has taken a big hit because I don't know if you know, but a, a huge chunk of the olive oil comes from Greece and Puglia, and they've both had an extremely bad crop, bugs, all sorts of things. The Chinese stink bugs, which infested us last, you know, when we first arrived at the beginning of this year, they're not around right now. And our olives are actually good. They're not affected by anything. They don't have any bugs eating them. They're good little olives, but um, I don't know if I'll get a chance to pick them all up. Brisht says the machines doesn't seem very advanced in execution. Build your own. No, dude, it is very advanced in execution. It's, uh, I'll describe it very briefly, but it's um, it's like a long pole, maybe about two meters, um, and the the little fingers on it like vibrate at a pretty decent rate, and it, you know it's powered. Uh, it's you, you've got to have like a battery backpack on, um, and olive trees, you know, olives on the olive trees, they don't just like fall off like ripe fruit. You know, you got to give them a good shake to to get them out. So. Portal says, can you mail me seeds? Okay, yeah, sure, just ping me an email. Um, no, give me one second, ask questions, talk among yourselves. I'll, um, the, little, the little Viking just woke up from a long nap, I think, so I've got to just take care of him for a sec.
I'm back. Sorry about that. The little dude had a nightmare, I think. Woke up a bit upset. All right. Where are we? Oh, good. You guys have been talking. Uh, 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 uh. Okay, Caleb. Caleb says, I guess I'm a farmer too, with my headless cabbages, one inch broccoli, and a few onions. <laughs> you got a few onions. <laughs> I think that means you're a pro, man. I think that means you, you know, you're part of cooperative now. <laughs> Daniel says, my dad grew tons of stuff in a few square meters without even trying. Imagine if you did a whole backyard like my cousin Tony. Yeah. There's zero days off on a homestead. Yeah, there's, I hate the word homestead. Um, it's you know it's a farm. I don't I don't know what you call it. A piece of land, but I, I don't like the word homestead. It's some like hippie fucking grunge. Oh yes, I only wear tweed. Fuck off. No, um, but yes, there are zero days off. Daniel is an indoor fig tree farmer. Well. The fig tree is something that produced a bunch of figs. We, we ate them. I mean, I made one jar of jam out of the fig jam, and it lasted quite a while because it was a big jar. But one thing I have succeeded. I've done a dozen jars of, I think my wife says it's called Rowan fruit. I don't even know the name of this thing. I certainly don't know what the name of it is in Italian. It's about this big, like a big cherry tomato or about the same size. It's very sweet, but when it, and the pigs, the bastard boars, ate all of them because, like, we picked up, I picked up a bunch just with the two kids, the two girls. Uh, but then, you know, they they were like messing around, or then I got tired, and I was just picking the ones that fell off because these things have to be almost black. They go brown, and um, and then they become sweet. But before that, they're like kind of acidic. Uh, so I left them in the bucket for about two weeks, and then they all became brown. And I thought, oh, cool, now we can go and pick the rest. We went there, nothing because the, the boars just came and ate everything. But we had a bucket, big bucket full of these things. And when I say a bucket, I mean, you know, this bucket. Uh, so I made a dozen jars of this jam, which I wasn't sure if, how it come out, but actually my wife says she likes that one even better than the fig jam. So we got enough jam for a while. And, um, and we still have some of those berries. And apparently you can make some kind of um, alcoholic drink out of it. So I'm trying to figure out if I can get the ingredients to do that before, you know, they rot. Because they're now at the point where they're going to start to go off if I don't do something with them the next couple of days. So we see. LS16 says, like milking cows, you think buckets, stools, and squeeze, the reality is they'll crap on their tail and hit you in the face with it and then kick over the bucket. <laughs> that, that, that synthesizes farm life beautifully. I think LS16 has obviously been there. <laughs> Caleb says, good thing I've been cutting firewood. Yep, indeed. Uh, but even the firewood, you can't just cut it down and, you know, it has to dry. It has to be dry because otherwise you get uh, soot, which like blocks up the pipe. And if it's not a straight run, you then have to clean that pipe, cause it shit. You know, it's it's all... Plus, I go, I go and do one thing to fix one thing, and I find out three other problems. So it's just, it's just how it is. And the old ways work best. Like the one shed that I built, you know, with a nice little slope and everything. 
and skylights. That fucking thing is still leaking a little bit here and there. The other one, which was, you know, a ruin, and I just threw up some stuff, and it was leaking all over the place originally. But then I thought, nah, I'm just gonna put like patches of this leftover like waterproofing crap, and I put them like the old trappers, you know. So it's like you've got like one piece of skin that's what they used to use, and then you put another one that's like on top like that, and then another one, you know. So it's it's like in descending order. So the the top one runs onto the the one that's below it, and then the the one that's below it runs onto the next one, and so on. Dry as a bone. The only thing about that is it doesn't have a lip on one side, so the rain hits the wall, and because the wall is just a shitty one layer of, of planks, it gets wet, so I'm going to have to add a lip there, but, you know, the old ways work. That's, uh, Daniel says, I, I tasted real olive oil on a farm in Cyprus once. Bottled stuff tastes suspicious. Uh, yeah, no, it, it does get bottled or put in jars or tins or whatever, but, um, you know, they, they do that at the mill. Douglas says, farming is an extremely hard job, and even after all that work, you could get bugs or bad weather, etc. And it was all for naught. Yep. It is. Caleb says, I started reading The Crusades by Harold Lamb. Anyone else reading? Awesome. Awesome. Caleb, the only thing I'd say is, I hope it would be ideal, but not necessary. I, I, did, I read Harold Lamb first. If you read um, Rodney Stark's... Um, God's battalions first, just because it gives you context. When I read the Crusades, I didn't know who these guys were. I didn't know a lot of stuff uh, because you know I had got a smidgen of that stuff in primary school in Italy. Because of course, in all the other schools I went to, there were Anglo-Saxon, and you know, the Crusades are bad. You know, these these vicious Catholics were just trying to rob the poor Muslims of their lands. You know, that was kind of. Um, so God's, crusade, God's battalions gives you a context for which you can then put the, the crusaders. I mean, I didn't even realize until I read Harold Lamb, my grandfather's name on my mother's side, his name was Tancredi, which I thought, who the hell calls their child Tancredi? That's just retarded. But of course, Tancredi was a hero of the crusades, um, which now makes sense. The only other place I saw the name Tancredi was in a science fiction book written, I think, in the 50s, where they abbreviate the guy's name to Tan. But the guy who wrote the book clearly knew about the Crusades and so on, because this used to be stuff that was taught in schools. Now, you don't know anything about it. I mean, once you read the Crusades and you realize, well, my people come from that? Dude, that's like a superpower. You know, it, it really is. That's why, the, you know, for the communists, it's always year zero. Ah, there's only 13 of you. That's, uh, I just leave for like 20 minutes and let you talk among yourselves and you, you know, you'll get weak. <laughs> no. uh, I think I'm the only streamer that does that sort of thing. But uh, And Douglas says to Daniel, it's amazing how different things taste when you get back to the source. Indeed, Daniel says it was like green honey. It was indeed. Um, actually, the, the most loyal Sede here, when the old man gave us a, a tin of his stuff, <laughs> he used to use it on everything. I mean... <laughs> You know, you could have, you could have given him buttered toast, and he'd be like, "I'll just put a little olive oil on it." And whenever he took it, he would take the tin. You know, it's like say this was the tin. He would take the tin, and before he poured it, he'd go like, "We are gathered here today." You know, like like he was offering the host as a priest. I told the old man, and he was laughing. 
but yeah. And Noctua Magna says the Kurgan. What are your thoughts on hunting as a means of provision? It's fine if you've got enough game um, and if you know how to hunt. Now, in Europe, unless you're in a really rural area, and again, it depends what you mean by hunting. You know, hunting in an emergency sort of uh, apocalyptic type situation is a whole different story from hunting while things are still going on. For example, you know, if you're going to hunt in Italy, you need, uh, first of all, a hunting permit. Uh, you need, obviously, to, to have a, a gun license. Uh, and there are all sorts of uh, requirements about where you can hunt, when you can hunt, the seasons you can hunt. Um, for example, if you're going to hunt boar, you can't just wander the forest and shoot random boar um, because, uh, you know, you're in Europe... Uh, it's a small distances, so it's rare that you find a location where you can shoot, uh, you know, a solid bullet, even from, I don't know, a 30 or 6 or something. You know, that'll travel a few kilometers, and it's going to come down somewhere. So when you hunt boar, what they do is what they, like, almost like the old days, you know, they, like, put the shooters in certain positions, they can only shoot in a certain direction, and then they get dogs and beaters, and they sort of push all the boars towards that direction. Um, they even do that with birds and stuff like that, but and and they release now like birds. I mean, I've got pheasants on my land. I've got like a I saw two female pheasants and a, one or two different male pheasants because the females I saw at the same time. But it's like, you know, I was born into hunting. I just walking in my field, I came within about no exaggeration. It was absolutely definitely not more than three meters away from a male pheasant you know i could have caught the thing with a slingshot or a fucking stone probably you know because these things are like cultivated and then they release them in the wild for the hunters or whatever foxes eat them because the, you know a guy that goes hunting pheasant in italy now he's basically a chicken shooter you know go to some guy's farm take your 12 gauge shotgun and and go shoot the chickens that, that you can walk up to like three meters away. It's that's not hunting, you know. That's to me that's retarded. And so, oh, and, you know, for example, the boar, which boar meat is nice and whatever, but you can just wander around, shoot a boar, and make meat. Because if you do that by yourself and you don't have a permit and it's not under so-called okay, there's huge fines. You can lose your gun, all sorts of stuff. You know, of course in an apocalyptic situation where, you know, you're just trying to survive, who cares about that sort of stuff, right? But even then, you know, the animals in Europe are human shy. If they're still wild animals, they're very difficult to, to hunt unless you know what the hell you're doing. You're going to wait for them, you know. If it was in Africa, I wouldn't even bother with planting because there's plenty of animals there. I'd go, like, in the middle of nowhere where I can, you know, like my dad's got some land out there that he bought in the middle of nowhere and he literally he says i'm not gonna bother putting fencing because i've got elephants walking like past my fucking property you know so if i even if i build a house or something there i've got to build something a bit sturdy because if you build something a bit weakened that want to scratch their back on it <laughs> tear it down and you know you don't need to shoot an elephant you can shoot a hearty beast or a wildebeest or 
or even just an impala and you've got enough food for like a few weeks you know you can make bilton out of it even if you don't have a fridge but it's a different thing in europe so it depends where you are you know if you're in america and you're in a place that's got game sure why not you know daniel says homestead is an english word no latin roots fuck it indeed yeah Margareta says, I tried farming, got some potatoes, tomatoes that never got ripe due to Finnish weather and some other stuff that got eaten by bugs. When SHTF, uh, I'm probably screwed. Yeah, I've, you know, uh, farming is hard, you know, it's difficult. You, and especially in cold weather, you need a greenhouse. I'm, well, I'm thinking of possibly building one, but and you can build a greenhouse for cold weather you know it's like a almost underground half underground you know look the, there's human beings that survive in the arctic right so there's always going to be a way but it's not necessarily easy or fun or quick <laughs> caleb says tweed wearers just got added to kurgan's list no no they were always on it Rowan berries, there you go. Yes, Rowan berries. That's what we've made jam with. And yeah, Daniel says you have to put nets or a cage around some things. Yeah, that you know that disturbs me. I mean, you you've got bugs that you can't shoot. I'd do better in a Dungeons and Dragons world where you know the spiders are like dog-sized. At least you can see the sucker coming, right? Fair enough, you don't have a shotgun to blow it away, but you got a two-handed sword, you got some arrows, you know, you got some magic spell, you can just zap it or something, you know. Andrew says 13 is better than 12. Hmm. I don't know about that. Seem to remember our Lord. Of those 12, one of them betrayed him, didn't he? Use an air rifle to take down pigeons. Yeah, you know, and as I mentioned in the, those of you that can't read, like Daniel, I wrote a long blog post about surviving, you know, the elites, the apocalypse and pole shifts and the ice age. An air rifle is a, is a good hunting tool. I mean, as a kid in Africa with that thing, I, I, I shot just about everything that moved that could be taken down with that air rifle. It got taken down. But, you know, again, in Italy, even, even the birds, because pigeons are, they're hunted, you know, in Italy it's a hunt, it's something you can shoot, so, you know, they're clever, they, they, they don't just sit around, while in Africa a pigeon will just like, fly right next to you, you know, they, um, in Italy they're a bit more uh, guarded, let's say. And, uh, and Margareta says, yeah, who would have thought that the stuff I think are tasty, the bugs and rabbits, etc., think are tasty as well. With lots of pheasants where I live, perhaps I won't have to farm. Don't even need a gun. I'll just throw rocks at the birds to kill them. Yeah, the Bushmen hunt with, with a stick. Like, we, we used to have this guy that used to um, track for us. And he had, like, I suppose it was a little bit boomerang shape, but really it was just like a bent, hard stick. And he used to hunt birds with that stuff. He used to, like, you know, when he had, like, two birds in his hand, he just threw the stick at them, like, here, you know, you feel dumb. You know, like, oh, here I am with a shotgun to, like, go shoot Franklins. This guy just <laughs> uses a stick. Noctua Magna says he's in North America going on a deer hunt. Yeah, if you're in... America's got plenty of land. You should have... Depends where you are. Obviously, if you're in New York, I don't know, maybe you can hunt rats or something. Crackheads and lawyers. I don't 
know. I wouldn't need the lawyer though. Ugh. Just imagine the toxins. Machelerata says my greenhouse got pelted with golf ball sized hail right before winter. Had to rely on the grocery store for greens. Yeah. Shit happens, you know, like um two days ago it sleeted here. And our drive, you know, to get up to the main road from here is like I nearly lost the car. I went I couldn't go up the the, the, the the incline. So I had to reverse slowly but the thing is everything was iced up, you know, and I had to get up there quickly because I wanted to get like basics in case we got stuck. So I tried to reverse down this like narrow sort of barely covered road and um I miscalculated a bit and I went slightly off-road and then you know my car is not a, a four-wheel drive or anything like that so to get it back on the road I had to just do a bit of a maneuver and I scraped off like some paint and stuff off the front of the bumper um, you know stupid thing like that if I, if I was another like half a foot off uh, it could have punctured a tire in the middle of the sleet in the snow and i wouldn't have got out and then you know I, I went back down and i took a bit of a run-up and then i managed to make the hill but um you know if now i had to get the chains out make sure that i've got the chains in the car in case there's always something you know and the caleb says try mosquito netting for bugs and bury fish scraps around tomato roots i've heard tomatoes love it yeah so anyway, that was the uh, successful farmer's uh, olive oil collection. You'll notice that as the picture, I've put out a, a bunch of olive-colored shotgun shells, and that's because <laughs> rather than farming olives, I would much rather, you know, shoot things to, to feed myself. But, um, you know, to be fair, hunting in Italy is, is a bit of a shooting fish in a barrel type of thing. Um, you know, like I said, I grew up in a family of hunting and I still, I don't think I'd enjoy it anymore. The actual killing of things it doesn't give me, you know, it's still a living thing that and I'm no vegetarian. I, I don't have a problem with it. It's not like I wouldn't hunt or I, would, I don't eat meat or I wouldn't be able to butcher my own cow or whatever. But it feels a little bit unnecessary if I can ideally you know if there is the pole shift it go, all goes to crap some of that random crap that shot into all the humans gets out there we get dinosaurs again lots of you know wild big animals and a whole bunch of people die off and then they leap miscalculated and they all get eaten by t-rexes i'm good with that i'll be happy with that that would work hello henry if, when shit hits the fan, there's going to be a point if you can hunker down and survive the first years of slaughter, then the animals and plants will quickly come back. Yeah. Uh, weird, weirdly enough, I just said that and I hadn't. There we go, Henry. The systema telepathy is still there. <laughs> but yeah, that, you know, um, one of the comic books that I really enjoyed, but um, it's called the Cenozoic Era by a guy called Frank something or other. And it's like basically humanity goes underground you know kind of what's happening now but they all go underground and then they pop out 500 years later and all of a sudden dinosaurs are back and all sorts of weird beasts and the flora and the fauna has all exploded and nobody really can explain why 
but it's really just an excuse for the the creator to have he calls it Cadillacs and dinosaurs is the role playing game of it because they've got these like steam powered water powered Cadillacs that only old mechanics can keep in 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 good nick and the rest you know the Washington has been drawn out and set in America I think but it, it's it's an America that's had like global warming and raised all the the sea levels or whatever um, so and I was like man if only I don't even care about the Cadillacs you know <laughs> it's quite cool because the guy obviously knows something about guns because he's got like the 460 Weatherby as the the elephant gun of choice which is, um, you know, my dad's got it for for sixty Weatherby, um, and you know, my, my dad's not a big guy. He's about sixty five kilos wet, I think. Uh, you know, every time he shoots that thing, he takes a couple of steps back, and um, yeah, wouldn't it be great. I I would happily, happily have the risk of dinosaurs, of actual, you know, vicious T Rexes and Raptors for the benefit of just being free and having you know having guns i mean it would be crap if you if you had to deal with raptors and t-rexes with like spears and shit but you know if you've got rifles and stuff yeah it wouldn't bother me um that would be such a cool have you said just think all the stupid people that somehow survived they would get eaten within a few weeks or they would be relegated to being the village idiot and everybody would know they're the village idiot and it would never get in the way of normal human beings who you know go out there and do stuff because if they did they would be put to death by the simple method of being shot in the face because they upset somebody who actually a contributing member of the community as opposed to a parasite <laughs> so yeah What do you guys got to tell me? Oh, um, made some progress also on the creation of the physical Kurganit. Some interest from some parties that have um, some money. Found a decent engineer, made some contact with the council. So it's going to take time because it's Italy and I've got a lot of other things to do. But eventually, I think the Kurganit is going to come together. And um, I can't wait, really, because... Uh, you know, we've got friends uh, still in the UK, on, on Prison Island, UK, I should say. And uh, it would be great to get them out here. With, um, you know, they've also got kids and stuff. And funnily enough, I had a conversation with this friend of mine who's still in the UK and um, also spoke to Vox earlier today. And we had the same, um, you know, we, we all had the same thought, which is like, it's not just, about me or us, whatever. You want to be in a community. Um, you know, Vox obviously is, is not a Catholic yet, <laughs> but my other friend is. And he said, "Look, I'm also thinking of the kids. He's, you know, we're the same age." He says, "I'm 52 now. I don't really care about myself." I was like, "Dude, if it was just me, I'd be on a tower by now, not long ago." And then uh, he laughed and he said, "Yeah, you know, it's about our kids, and we want to. What's life going to be like when when my son is like 52?" You know, and I said, yeah, I totally agree. And on whatever we can do that we have to face or gonna face us, let us face it rather than them. You know, I don't, I don't care how bad it gets for for me or for it's fine as long as my kids are relatively free and, and happy. 
that would be cool. Um, and he said, yeah, and you know, and if you think about it, you know, you, you've got four kids, I've got six, I think he's got, and you know, a couple of other families have also got like five, six. They said, we, we want to be in a community with other Catholics so that when our kids grow up, they grow up together, they grow up in a Catholic community, they've got a choice of people to pick from that are, you know, <laughs> pure bloods <laughs> that are not infected with the zombie virus and um, can make, you know, can get married and have more kids and so on. And uh, absolutely, it is it is indeed that. So, you know, I know most of you are in the States and what have you. Not everybody. There's people from Finland here. There's people from Czech Republic. There's, you know, you're, you're from everywhere. Um, <laughs> Slantish of says, a few more hugs from the Kurgan and Vox will convert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's the answer. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and Henry says that he agrees that dinosaurs equals meritocracy. <laughs> Indeed. I so wish Jurassic Park would happen. Oh. Oh. <laughs> you know, the, the, the cool thing about our house here is that it's an old, old building. So, you know, it's got some cracks and whatever, but the walls are about, the walls will stop a 50 caliber. I'm, I'm absolutely certain that uh, I very, very much doubt a 50 caliber, um, you know, maybe a machine gun, if it kept chewing away at one spot in the wall, it would eventually get through. But like a single shot from a 50 caliber Barrett, nah, all the, all the, all the external walls of the house are just going to go, nah. <laughs> so even if you were getting raided by like a bunch of raptors with zombies, it just like, you know, the windows are small, they've all got bars on them. So it's like, eh, I'll just sit here. I, I don't even need a big gun. I'll just sit there with like a crappy shotgun and just like, yeah, blow you in the face, you know, shoot your eyes out at like two meters, not even 50 centimeters. It's like, oh, he's poking his head into the window. Cool. You know, so in the in the, the so-called zombie apocalypse it's it's a perfect sort of spot even though it's isolated and everything but you know we're good um, so what are you guys gonna tell me you guys tell me some stories you know I, I know I'm the one streaming but I I do enjoy interacting with you with you people and um, ah also, oh, somebody was asking where I'm. I'm in northern Italy. And, um, oh, one other bit of news. The chief of the Gammas said that he will do a um, an honorable, and, and, you know, I can, he's the chief of the Gammas from, from the Reddit things, uh, groups. But uh, whenever I've dealt with him, he, he has always kept to his word. So we're going to have um, a Catholic intervention for him where uh, I'm, I'm going to try and convince him to become a proper Catholic instead of this Novus Orco thing. And uh, so he's agreed that he's going to do that. He's just busy and we're going to try and schedule a, a time, hopefully this year, on this side of Christmas. Um, so keep, keep tuned for that because that's going to be quite an interesting one because he will take it seriously. Um, he said like he doesn't think he's in a place where he would actually want to be a proper Catholic, which I understand. So... But I, I think it'll be I think it'll be fun. 
uh, Margareta says the net is tightening around us pure blood here in Finland. Me and my husband have talked about Italy, but at the end of the day, this is our home, and I'd probably never feel at home over there. I, I understand that. You know, I had a conversation uh, with uh, James Fox Higgins, who's in Australia, um, in a place where, you know, they've confiscated all the guns, sort of like in the UK. They've now got literal concentration camps where they forcibly come and take you if you've got COVID or supposed to have COVID or came into contact with somebody with COVID. And they forcibly put you in this camp, which you can't get out of unless you get two negative PCR tests, which, of course, they can tweak the PCR test to whatever they want. So you can see how that, you know, would be used if they, oh, this, we don't like this guy. We're just going to keep him here indefinitely. Um, and apparently, they're also uh, been forcibly injecting the Aborigines, the, the original, I don't know if Aborigines is a politically correct term, but whatever, I don't care. About I'm pretty sure that any actual Aborigine wouldn't get offended by it. But um, they're, they're apparently forcibly injecting them, so I don't know. And But on, on I can't remember if it's on one of the islands or or, uh, or the region, I can't remember. They... Um, the Aborigines have actually set a government building on fire. So uh, I think, oh, and another thing in Guadeloupe, there have been riots to the point that the French, uh, you know, Guadeloupe is a French, um, it's, a, it's an island in the Caribbean, but it's um, owned by France. But because, um, you know, there have been riots and the, the people uh, have been shooting guns at the cops, they killed a few. So within a day, France is like, oh, okay, well, I think Guadeloupe can have independence. So remember what I said? The only reason these people are doing what they're doing is because they can. And it's because when they were kids at school, no one smacked them in the head because we all got politically corrected into like oblivion. So, you know. So yeah, but what I was saying about James Fox Higgins, he's like, and I told him, dude, you know, it's getting bad there that you want to get away. Like, it was like, look, um, as much as, you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll be a refugee in a boat coming to the Kurganit, this is my home and it's coming everywhere. You know, we're just first. So I'm going to stand my ground here. And that's a commendable and absolutely correct attitude. I have always been pretty nomadic, but, you know, now I'm back in my homeland. Not quite, because I'm not in Venice, but you know what I mean. And I've got my house here, and yeah, you know. Now it's, uh, I think um, Vox put it on his blog that today, I think, that uh, some EU whatever dictator was saying, oh, we should now, some woman again, was we, we should have forced vaccinations everywhere in Europe. And uh, Vox put it on his blog, well, you're going to do that, you're going to have war. Apparently, up to a third, and this is the official number, up to a third of Europeans, so about 150 million people, are not vaccinated. And I think the number's probably higher than that. You're going to, what, send the army, kick doors in for 150 million human beings, where you've only got another 300 million human beings all told? Who's going to do that? Sure, a lot of people will fold, a lot of people will just get it because otherwise they get a fine, there's going to be a bunch of people that are like, nah, fuck you. What are you going to do? Send the army in every instance? Because even if you do, some of those guys are going to leave a few bodies lying around. And you know what? Once, you know, it, it's some, I can't remember, it's another post that Vox did about something else. But let's say, let's take a hypothetical country. Let's say, whatever, Poland, or, it doesn't matter. 
Austria, right? Where they've implemented this like, okay, from February or whatever, we're going to make it law that you have to be vaccinated. If 10 men in a row just decided, no, fuck you, when you come and give me the vaccine, I'm just going to, whatever, take an axe to as many people that come to my house trying to force the vaccine on me until I'm dead. And that happens once. And then it happens twice. And then it happens three times. And then after the 10th guy, guess what? There's not going to be a law that says that you have to get injected. It'll go away. Because after the 10th guy, you're going to have another 50 guys. And those guys are not going to wait for you to come to the door. They're going to come to your door of parliament. They're going to come to the, the house of the, the guy who created the law. And that's historical. I'm, you know, I'm not telling you like, oh, you know, you go and shoot people or whatever. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not telling you what to do or anything like that. I'm just saying that's a historical fact. When you push people up to a point and then beyond that point, guillotines come out and the regime changes. Usually the people that get put in place are very seldom any better than the ones they removed because the people who are willing to hold somebody into the guillotine until their head's chopped off are usually not the best types of human beings. But there are some of us that if we have to do that, we will, and we're not going to abuse it afterwards. And I think that if enough people become proper Catholics, that's what they're scared of. That's why you have people like Milo trying to really, really, really reel in, especially the young men. Why? Because you've got to keep in mind the Freemasons have been chipping away at Catholicism for at least 300 years, intentionally, long-term, trying to brainwash people into making them soft and turn the other cheek and you know, Jesus was a hippie and he didn't drink coffee or grape juice, you know, and he just stroked the sheep and he always said that, oh, well, if you rape me, it's fine. I'll turn the other cheek as well. You know, it's bullshit. Catholics were men like Jean-Pierre Le Valette who beat a man to death because the man blasphemed. And I think he got a few months in jail because people understood that, you know, beating a man to death for, for blaspheming is it's a little bit extreme, so we probably got to give you a few months in jail, you know, to just cool you down. And guess what? The only people that have been doing that have been Catholics. The Protestants don't do that. The Orthodox don't do that. The Orthodox whine, bitch, moan, pretend to fight, and then call the Catholics to help them, and then backstab the Catholics. That's their modus operandi. And, you know, when I say Catholics, of course, I'm not referring to the Novus Orco. You all know that. But in case there's a new person here that doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about, you know, Bergoglio is, is the vicar of pedophiles on earth. Let's be clear. I'm talking about actual Catholics, you know, set of Acantists, set of Probationists. So if, and that's why they're terrified of us. That's why the so Novus Orco are absolutely terrified of the set of Acantists. That's why they hire people like Milo to pretend to be Catholic and deviate everybody into degeneracy and fake nonsense and, and rubbish like that. Because the only people that actually did the Crusades, the only people that pushed back, the only people that didn't take any crap, the only people that civilized the planet are Catholics. And if you're a Protestant and you've, you know, been raised on the KGV and and the nonsense that, you know, Catholicism is pagan and we didn't let people read the Bible, I always tell you, please read Rodney Stark. Look up Rodney Stark and read his book, Bearing False Witness. And keep in mind, Rodney Stark is not a Catholic, but he is honest and he's a historian. So, you know,
perhaps war is what they want. Yes, Margaret, to a certain extent, but not if it's, you know, you, you got to keep in mind, these are like puppet masters behind the scenes going, yeah, I can pull the strings and my whole family has been pulling the strings for thousands of years. And they have. You know, have you ever met a Rothschild or, or you know, uh, one of those guys like walking around? You don't even know what they look like, right? But enough people are starting to figure shit out. And at some point, it's going to be like, I don't know if that's a Rothschild house or not, but it looks big enough. It's got nice, expensive shit. We're going to burn it to the ground. That's how it's always happened. That's what history. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying you should do it. I'm not saying I agree with it. That's what happens. You, know, you push people up to a point. But the point is that now people are starting to realize who the people behind, you know, because you look at the French Revolution and, you know, Marie Antoinette and, her, and King Louis, the whatever his number was, they lost their head over it. Literally, they got guillotined. But the people that got them guillotined were the Freemasons, you know, Jewish-inspired Freemasons that bankrupted France to support the war in um, the war of independence of the United States. So they bankrupted France to finance the, civil, the, 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 the war of independence of the United States, and then the king and queen ended up paying for it with their lives. Now people are starting to realize, yeah, the king and queen, the Boris Johnsons of the world, the Mario Draghi's of the world, the Joe Biden, you know, shit my pants, can't string a sentence together people of the world, they're not the people running things. They'll lose their head as well. But people are starting to figure out who's behind them. And they're like, oh, where do these people live? Oh, there. And oh, they've got a whole army protecting them. Oh, that's going to be a tough one. But guess what? We're going to take our pitchforks and our torches and we're going to go all the way there too. So they've miscalculated. It's a very interesting 10-minute video. I think it's called Looking Glass. But the interesting thing about this video is that I'd heard this in the 90s. I'd heard the, the story in the 90s, which basically states that there's this supercomputer and it's more than a supercomputer, but let's just say it's it's a quantum supercomputer that also uses supposedly paranorm, para, you know, ESP type stuff, humans to figure out precognition. Precognition is a thing, by the way. They're training special ops people to, to be able to start to do precognition, so it's a real thing. I talk about it in the Sistema book, so... If you've got that, read that or, or look at the, uh, you know, go to the Kurgan TV series of the Sistema stuff. I talk about that there. I even teach people a little bit how to see auras and get into that field of stuff. But anyway, this looking glass is some supercomputer predictive thing that the elite of the world that run this thing and that know, you know, they got all the reports, they realized, shit, no matter what we do, we lose. There comes to a point where all the no matter all, all the different roots of future things, they'll converge to a point where everybody awakens. Everybody suddenly gets conscious of everything and like we can't control shit anymore. And so the way that the guy describes it is like, well, and apparently he was in the military and he was involved in, in this sort of thing, is, is like a chess game between two chess masters where everybody, you know, both sides know that one side has lost. And the only thing that that side can do is cause as much damage as possible before losing the game. Because they could just give up the game now and say, okay, well, we lost. Or they could try and take as many pieces as they can in the hope that the other side makes a mistake. But this looking glass predicting the future type thing basically got to a point where it's saying, no matter what these guys do, 
eventually there's going to be a mass awakening of consciousness that's going to change the world. And the interesting thing is that biblically, if this is not the end times, it's what happens before the end times, which is, I think it's a thousand years of um, rising Christian, you know, sort of golden age of, of Christianity on earth. So, and even if it is the end times, that's what happens afterwards anyway. So either way, we're probably at a point where we're going to have to go through some very bad stuff. And it may well be that I have to go through all the bad stuff for the rest of the days that I have left on earth. Maybe you know, 10 years, maybe 20, maybe 50. But eventually it'll end and supposedly it'll get better. So I think it's one of those things. So Henry says, you're totally right. It only takes a tiny string of numbers to tip these bastards out. Wars are won and lost by tiny groups of gnarly men. Yeah, but, you know, th there's no difference. You know, everything is scalable. Everything is fractal. The schoolyard, right? I mean, I've changed schools a bunch of times. And a bunch of times I was put in schools where I didn't speak a word of the language. And I wasn't always, you know, six foot two. I was a pretty small kid until I hit my late teens. And then I shot up like a foot in a year or something. But I was a pretty thin, small dude, minded my own business, didn't give a crap about peer pressure. I mean, you know, in, in, in high school, I was already 16, 17 by then. You know, I was cold. I don't like the cold, as you can tell. And I used to go to school with a school uniform, but I'd have my pajama under it, and sometimes it was poking out, whatever. I had long hair up to my shoulders. People were like, hey, you got hair like a girl. Oh, you got your pajama under it. Oh, your uniform. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'm smarter than all you fucks. It just didn't affect me. Now, when I was 16, 17, I was already a bit taller or whatever. But when I was like, you know, primary school stuff and they just my parents just dropped me off at a school where I don't speak a word of English and the only guy I know there is my brother who's in another class anyways so the whole time I'm sitting in the class where I don't know what the hell's going on and then I get into the playing field and some kid comes up to me and just hits me and like talks to me and I'm like what the fuck's this guy doing and like he does it again I'm like what the fuck he's punched me twice now so I show him one two three so he tries it again. Well, guess what? He gets smacked right in the fucking mouth. I don't speak a word of their language, and I don't give a shit how many there are. So then there's a bunch of kids that, you know, surround me, and then I'm like, okay, fuck it. I'll go down fighting. And then one a big kid from another class comes running up, and he also doesn't speak any English, and that's the only reason he came here. Some, some Mauritian guy, him and his brother, and they're, like, both huge. They're, like, I don't know, 16, but they're, like, in standard six or something. So they run up, and they're like, and somebody's pushing you around, oh, you're going to do this, you're going to, no, fuck you, I'm going to shoot you in the mouth, what are you going to do about it? You know, then they leave you alone. I mean, in Italy, oops, oh, I don't know, it might cut out, but in Italy, the thing is, for, you know, there's a long thing where, if, you know, if you're a shop that owns, you own a shop and you've got like a, you know, my, my first wife, she, she had like a, she was a hairdresser and they'd give her fine after fine every month because, oh, your, your sign isn't the right size or the reflection of your sign on the pavement, on the public pavement is like, it wasn't a lit sign. It was like, what the hell, you know, oh, your fire, your fire extinguisher needs to be at the back of the, of the shop, not at the front. And two months later, oh, your, your fire extinguisher needs to be at the front, not at the back, because they changed the laws just to give you the fines. And then you can argue the fine. No, but I can't give you 100 euro. I only got 20, you know. It's like bartering. The guy who has never paid taxes because he's a mafia don, and if you send the, the finance guys at his house, they, never, they just disappear. That guy, he can run through a, 
fucking red light, run over an old lady on the pavement, not be wearing a seatbelt, come out stumbling drunk, the cops come to arrest him, and he's like, throws his handgun and goes, who the fuck wants to... That guy to leave him alone. Why do you think that is? Because you know that going to arrest that guy, you're going to risk your life. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that's what they do. Now in America, they say, oh, a guy like that, a one single guy, we'll send a SWAT team. Yeah, they do. Um, but when it becomes like Mexico, where they arrest by mistake the, the son of one of the drug king things, what happens? You get an army of Mexicans armed with RPGs fucking storming the cop station until they let the sun go, which they do. You know, Mao Zedong was, was not any kind of person I, I favored at all, but what he said was true. All politics comes from the battle of a gun. You know, the, the laws that you fought, law is created by the people who have the ability to create enough violence to enforce it. And if you have enough violence to resist whatever the law is, then you become the guy who makes the law. It's always been like that. And it will always be like that. That's just humans on this planet. So, you know, and you say, oh, but, you know, what, what, can, what can one man do? And Chris Langan. Chris Langan on Gab. Supposedly the smartest man on earth, right? Not too impressed because I came up with some of the stuff that he talks about 10 years before him. But whatever. You know, I'm sure he's a smart guy. I mean, I'm sure he's smarter than me, whatever. But he made a point where it's like, well, it doesn't matter that it's just a handgun compared to like, you know, whatever tanks and or if every house that's got a handgun, when the people come to your house to say, right, we're going to take your kids, start shooting. Who's going to do that? You know, in America, you've got 300 million people and you've got, I don't know how many million guns. I think it works out about four or five guns per person. If all the armed people say, nah, fuck you, we're not. We're not doing it. We're not going to listen to you. How many cops have you got? How many army have you got? You know, in the UK, you've got 125,000 police. And you've got something like 8 million able-bodied men between the ages of 20 and 40. 125 police, some of which are women. Some of which are old and fat and sit behind a desk. What are they going to do? You know, even if you just use bricks, okay? <laughs> if you've got 8 million people with bricks against 125 guys armed to the teeth with machine guns, who do you think is going to win? If you're committed, if you're dedicated. <laughs> you know, it, it's, not a, it's not rocket science, it's maths. But of course, you know, three guys with machine guns will load you know, 100,000 sheep onto, like, train carts and put them to, to, to concentration camps because, well, they got machine guns. And, oh, well, I don't, don't want to be the first guy that's shot, but, you know. So, yeah, nobody wants to be the first guy that kicks it off or the second or the third. But, you know, if you're number 89 in an ongoing series of people that, like, as soon as the, the military comes to try and jab them, say, fuck you, I'm going to die fighting. By the time you get to number 89, eh, it's not going to be happening very much anymore, you know? So, and if all those 89 people just get together and say, no, nah, fuck it, we're not going to wait for you to come one by one. We're going to form a little group and we're going to come to you. We're going to surround your house, <laughs> you know, you, the politician, with your police and your arm, army and whatever. Then, every, then the law changes and the politicians change, you know, it's a miracle. 
again, Guadeloupe. They shot a few cops, they did a bit, few riots, a few fires. Guadeloupe's now got independence. Amazing, right? Just a coincidence. You know, it's sad. It's, it's not a good thing. But it's like I said, violence has solved all human problems throughout human history. You don't have to agree with me, you don't have to like it, but it's an objective fact. Hello, Tom. Long time no see. Hope you're doing well. I have to run, but wanted to ask, what's a good way to explain our Lord's Ascension, His Blessed Mother's Assumption, and the bodily reign in heaven in a way that's consistent with outer space? The kids asked, so where did they go? That's a good question. I don't know. They went up into the sky. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't bother me. Uh, I can see why it would bother somebody. Um, I'm not sure. Perhaps ask a, a said a priest. I, uh, I just assume that it would be, if you think about it, it lifts your eyes to greater creation, you know, the stars and everything else. And uh, especially back then, people probably didn't think about, you know, they didn't even know about planets and stuff. So it was sort of like, oh, he's gone to the source. And even now, I mean, if you, if you saw a man just sort of levitating up into the sky until he disappeared, that'd be pretty impressive. I mean, you'd probably remember that, you know, even if, you, but did he go into outer space? And oh, how, what was the atmospheric pressure like? It's a mystery, I suppose, like the resurrection. Caleb says, the more I learn about Catholic history, the less I worry for the future. Yeah, I was talking to my, to my friends and, and Vox as well today, and the, that, that's exactly what I said. You know, we're all, they're all talking about, you know, my, my friend in the UK is still a bit, little bit naive in that he's like, he's, he's, he's actually a good man. He's not naive. That's wrong. He's, he's a good, actually a good man. And, I, you know, I, I said to my wife after, I said, shame, you know, he's, he's having a bit of a rough time, I think, because... He said to me, well, I was a bit surprised to see Austria, of all places, sort of, we're going to make it law that you have to get jabbed. It's like, it's kind of weird, right? I mean, with the history they've got, like, they're doing it again, sort of thing. Like, don't forget, these are the people that fooled everybody into thinking Hitler was German, you know. But, um, and the point is, the worse it gets, in a way, the more energized I get. Because I'm like, yeah, you know, it. I'm not worried about the hot civil war. <laughs> you know, I mean, if that happens, I'm like, yeah, son, as far as your eye can see, that'll all belong to us in about a week. <laughs> you know, so I'm not worried about the, the extremes. In fact, the more extreme it gets, the the more like kind of, I wouldn't say happy, but the more I'm like, yeah, this will end soon. Because one way or another, it will ensue. You know, the more extreme it gets, the more, the quicker it'll happen. Machilarata says, "Thanks for what you do, Kurgan. You, Vox, and Stephen Molyneux make up for what my father lacked in his parenting." Okay, please do not lump me in with Stephen Molyneux. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm just friends. Friends, I'm not bitter, not bitter at all, but, you know, only 3% of the people that used to follow me now have been kicked off YouTube, and, but I'm not bitter, just want to say I'm not bitter, not bitter at all. 
it's like e-begging. Come on, man. You know, fucking do something. Cause um, I don't, I don't watch many other YouTube channels, but I don't know. I think one of the city guys sent me a clip on, from Twitter or something about Stefan Molyneux, and then the comments under it were hilarious. Like, sounds bitter to me. <laughs> no. And um, and I, one of the links was I, I can't remember if it's called Red Red Bar Media or I think it had the word "red" in it. I can't remember. Anyway. Some swarthy-looking guy. I don't know if he looks like what in South Africa you'd call a leb, but I don't know what he is. And you're like, what the hell is he talking about? He's got like 900,000 followers, and he's e-begging. I mean, we've got like 6,000 followers, and we never had to beg for money. You know, we're doing okay. And look, I got more equipment from my studio. He's like off his couch, crying his eyes out. Oh, oh I'm, I'm being kicked off YouTube. It's like it's pathetic. <laughs> kind of agree. Yeah, there was a little bit of a hitch, but I'm back. Henry Martin says, Brick is a fine British weapon, as long as you have a high-vis on when you throw it and a clipboard, no one will question you. <laughs> I miss the British sense of humour. It, it is funny. Margareta says, while I'm worried for my child, sometimes I kind of get excited the more they push their evil agenda. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I do worry for my kids, everybody, it's not, it's normal, you know, but again, you know, whatever, I mean, I just got to keep them alive and safe for the next 20 years or so, and after that, you know, they're going to be big and strong and smart enough, hopefully, to survive whatever comes at them, but obviously, you know, if I can fight the dragon for them, you bet, man, with every atom I've got left at 90 years of age, I'll still be going strong. And I mean, think about it. Let's say there is some massive war against the zombies and the fucking elites or, you know, whatever. The raptors of the world. Jean Parizat Levalette, 71 years of age, wounded, no armor, swinging his two-handed on the battlements of the, um, of, uh, I can't remember if it was Castel Sant'Angelo, the, the, one of the, the two, um, uh, one of the two um, fortresses that they built in six months because they knew the Muslims were coming. What a way, you know, to, and he didn't even get killed. He's, and his men were like, please come down, sir. And it's like, no, I'm 71 years old. I've lived a full life. If I die battling the enemy, what a way to go. You know, I'm, you know, like I, before I got married and whatever, I had um, this, this very nice girl, girlfriend that she's like, you know, she was a pretty dark Romanian girl, a very, very dark sort of sense of humor. So we got on quite a bit. And like, I remember once we we're lying in bed and she goes, so how do you hope to die? And, you know, eventually, and this was like not too long, you know, it was some years after like 9-11 or whatever. And I was like, well, at age 105 in a plane, preferably that I'm flying against the a confluence of a government building, a bank, and a lawyer's office. And she's, she just burst out laughing and says, you're such a bastard. And I'm like, I was wounded. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'll be taking out evil on my last, you know, as I have a heart attack. <laughs> I'll just orient my, my anti-grav plane towards the most evil confluence of people I can think of. <laughs> but yeah, what a way to go. Cordell says, I read some of the Lost Ways book 
if you haven't picked it up yet, it's worthwhile to do so. Oh, I forgot. I did write it down, but I got so busy. I looked for it, and there's two or three different books by the name. Who's the author? There's like that was the thing that stopped me to get it because there's a. It teaches how to dig wells, make pemmican, various herbal remedies, etc. Dude, Cordo, please tell me the author because there's like a few books by that very name, The Lost Ways, you know. AJ says, I'm sorry I'm late. I'll rewatch from the start on the re-upload. Hope your olive trees have given you many liters of oil. <laughs> now, I think you'll find, I said, that we collected about 20 kilos of olives, which works out to about <laughs> two liters of oil or something like that. Luke in VW says, Stefan Molyneux created a whole moral category for his mom without realizing it until he forgave her. Gee. Yeah, I mean, dude, you know, whatever. You're in your 40s and you're still, like, got mommy issues, then you're the fucking idiot, you know. Look, you know, whatever. I mean, there's people that have been abused by their parents severely or, you know, sexually raped and all sorts of stuff. And I'm not talking about those guys, but... You know, you're a grown man. Fucking get over it. Jesus. It's like, you know, people like that. And like, well, what's that default? Like, you people shouldn't be raised by their own family. He's retarded, retarded. I, I could never watch Stefan Molyneux because the way he speaks, I can predict what he's going to say about two and a half hours before he says it. It's like, uh, it's like reading Stephen King. Stephen King books. 900 pages. You read the first 10. I know exactly how the book's going to end, and I know what the whole plot's about, and it's just going to be filler in between. I've got 900 pages to go till I get to the end. It's like, why? <laughs> no, thanks. I, I don't know. You know, but a lot of people read Stephen books. A lot of people read and listen to Stephen Molyneux. But then I guess a lot of people's brains work at about the tenth of the speed of mine. So, yeah. That was another conversation I had with uh, with my wife. Yeah, you know, we're talking about life here and then. She's like, you know, she's she's I suppose feels a bit isolated because the language. This, we're busy. It's not like you know, you're not like party time, having people over all the time or whatever. And I'm like, look, you know, that'll get better with time and stuff. She goes, yeah, but you know, you're 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 pretty used to like enjoying your own company and not having other people around. And then I said, look, don't get me wrong. You know, I like people as much as the next guy. It's just that what you call people and what I call people are different because, unfortunately, because of the IQ I've got and the way my brain works, it's like if I dropped you on a planet filled with chimps. And she's like, well, I, I would probably enjoy playing around with the chimps. And I was like, I'm sure you would for an hour or a day or even a whole week. But after a week, chimps rot. They throw shit at each other. They get fleas. They pick fleas out of their own ass and eat them that's what they do and that's what they always do you know now and then in the sea of chimps you spot another human here and there you're like yeah i like that guy hey let's talk let's we can play chess i can talk to you about maths elementary maths basic trigonometry oh you know and the rest of the time you're surrounded by chimps so it's not that i'm misanthropic it's that I don't like stupid people. Unfortunately for me, 99.999% of human beings are stupid. So it's not that much fun, you know? 
I'm, I've become a misanthrope and, and a loner, not, not because I necessarily enjoy it, but because it's necessary. It's like, I, I prefer my own company to the company of circus chimps. You know, what can I do about it? It's... <laughs> Uh, Sylvester Rep says, ha, I heard Stevan get called out and he got so buttered and went on about it for an hour. <laughs> like, exactly. I mean, like, what the hell? Kurgan, did you like the ending to Stephen King's The Mist? No, I don't know because I've never read it. I read two or three Stephen King books when I was about, I think the last Stephen King book I read, I was about 18 or 19. That's it. After that, I was like, this guy's pathetic. I think I can write better, more. I, I think I write more interesting books than Stephen King's. I honestly do. And people say, oh, he's a great writer. No, he's not. It's like that other guy. What's his name? Uh, James Patterson? Is it James Patterson? Who writes like thrillers. I read one of his books. I will never pick up one of those things again. It was like, I have seen more interesting patterns on toilet paper. It was completely predictable. It could have been written by a 13-year-old. It was pathetic. Even the, the, the science, the guns, the thrilling parts, none of it was... It was just shit. It, it was like literally a 13-year-old could have written it. And James Patterson makes millions. Why? Because most people are fucking retards. And I, I can't write for retards. I can't. My books are for people that actually have a bit of a brain. Look, I've got one here. See this one? This was a novella. This was a novella that I wrote as a, you know, Easter eggs for people that know me and I know them. And it's filled with that. But it's still, you know, it's like, I don't know, 40,000 words or something. How many pages? 138 pages. And, and this is like, this is a divertimento. This was supposed to be a 5,000 word essay just for my friends. And it ended up being this because I like, I'm actually enjoying this. I, I, I wrote this in like a very short time. So if you want to get a sample of, of the kind of stuff I, I like to read and write, there, there you go. It's called Confederate Rising. There's my name. Go get this. Read it. Then, then you've got a sense of... And this is, this is not my best work. This is like almost like a throwaway little novel, okay? The, the Overlords of Mars series, which I don't have the time to... I'm, I'm on book three. I'm still 30% of book three. It hasn't moved in years. But book one and two are done. That's that's got plot lines that start in book one that will only resolve in book four, <laughs> and it's supposed to be a trilogy, but there is a book four, um, and, and it's all already here. It's, it's all you know that that thing has been sitting in my head for for years, and it sat in my head for years before I put it pen to paper. So no, I, I might not technically be a better writer. And like you know, if you tell me what's a split infinitive, I don't know, and I don't care. And I've had long, massive arguments with my editor about this. But ultimately, I write for people that have a brain that can sort of understand at least, you know, some of the stuff I talk about. I don't. I try not to explain it too much. I explain it a little bit because not everybody has, you know, if, if I were to read a... I read a really cool book. I forget the name of it. About it's a serial killer book but the serial killer is like a red indian and he basically hates modern world and he smokes tobacco to like get into the original reason of the tobacco and he's kind of like a mystic and he sees an alternate world but he is a serial killer it's very well written i don't know anything about that stuff that it was about 
so that the, the author like had a little bit of explanations here and there, which were, were fine. You know, they, they weren't intrusive. They weren't like, oh, I'm going to explain to you exactly what this is because you're stupid and I'm smart. And I try and do that a little bit because I think some of the stuff I talk about is not known to everybody. But, um, and that's, you know, that's why I make the, 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 the Kurgan TV, like, uh, video series. Because, again, this, it's not just me ranting or talking stuff. It's actually educational. There's, I do actually know a bunch of things that most people haven't got a clue about. Claude Davis. Thanks, you, Corbin. The Lost Ways by Claude Davis. I'll get it now. And, yeah, Sylvester says, yeah. Uh, I just read your email, Kurgan. Cheers, bright future. Indeed, you do. You do have a bright future. You're a clever, clever man. Young, smart, on the right track. So, yeah. What? Uh, Brad Allen. Why do Novus Orcans Catholics say that Vacantins are heretics? Because uh, Novus Orcans are not Catholics. They're Freemasons. They're satanic, satanic Freemasons. And they try to invert it, um, but again, if you, you know, if you're new here, I suggest you go to my blog, gfilopto.com, go into the books I wrote, and if you are a, a guy who doesn't like reading, get Believe. It's 98 pages in pretty big font. Take you about two hours to read the whole thing. Uh, if you are interested, then get Reclaiming the Catholic Church. That's 530 pages. Take you a bit longer to read, and it explains everything in a lot of detail. So, yeah, they, they say that because they're liars and they're getting caught out. And they're terrified that we wake up a decent portion of fooled churchens that call themselves Catholics. If you're a Catholic, you should know the history of the church. If you're a Catholic, you should know what Vatican II is. So you call yourself a Catholic, but you don't know what Vatican II is. You don't know what the Catholic of the, of the church is. You don't know anything about canon law. You know, that's like me saying... I'm an NBA basketball player. Really? What do you know about? I, I don't really know the rules, but you know, I, I know what a ball is and, and like the, the basket thing. So I'm an NBA basketball player. Why? Have you ever played in the court? No, but I, I watched on TV once and I like the shorts. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, me no smart. Brad, get believe. It's like 10 bucks, 9 bucks, something like that. And it's a very quick read, and you're smart enough. Trust me, you're smart enough. It's not rocket science. Um, reclaiming the Catholic Church is for the people who want to know the details, for the people that are like, okay, exactly why you're saying this and that and the other. But, it, you know, keep in mind that throughout most of Catholicism, a large part of Catholics, maybe even the majority, were illiterate peasants, and they were good Catholics. They, they performed their Catholic duties well and, uh, you know, great. Caleb says that you always thought King was overrated. Absolutely. He's another one of these, you know, you don't get to be a Stephen King level famous without you being part of the, the machine. And, you know, he's clearly a super lefty. Uh, you know, I think with the Trump thing was going on, he was all for Hillary. And I mean, honestly, in order for you to be for Hillary, I think you must be a baby-eating monster. I can't see any other reason. 
Caleb says, don't worry, Brad. Believe is written for those of us with a sixth grade reading comprehension. But again, Caleb, I think you're putting yourself down. Um, you know, keep in mind that people that think they're not smart enough, they're not good enough, they're generally undervaluing themselves, while the people that think that they're smarter than and know how to do this and that better than everybody else, they're invariably the idiots that haven't got a fucking clue. So on that basis, you might think that I'm an idiot that I don't have a fucking clue, but actually, no. Objectively, I am, at the things that I'm good at, better than a lot of human beings on Earth. Even then, you know, like, whatever, take something I know something about, like martial arts or hypnosis or whatever. I know for a fact, I know for a fact, because I've done the maths, that in terms of martial ability, of, of hand-to-hand fighting ability, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that I'm in the top 1% of the planet. And when I say top 1%, I am actually undervaluing myself, because top 1% means that out of the average 100 people on Earth, including men, women, and children, you know, I'm in the top 1%. Well, frankly, I'm probably in the top 1% just by virtue of the fact that I'm six foot two and I'm not a decrepit old man that, you know, limps or anything. If you're six foot two and you can swing a fist more or less and you can give a kick more or less and you're a bit brutal more or less, you're probably in the top 1% because the average human being out of 100 people, you know, is a 65 kilo brown Indian probably that can string two sentences together and, and will try and scratch you if there's a fight, you know. So, in all the people who do martial arts, of whatever kind, of whatever martial art, how many people like that are in the world? Out of a thousand people that you meet in the street, how many do martial arts? Maybe one? You know? Again, average cross-section, that includes men, women, and children. Right? So about a thousand people who does martial arts regularly on a regular basis and has done it for years. I don't think it's one. I think it's less than one. It's probably one in 10,000, one in you know, a regular martial artist that's attended martial arts for years and years. It's less than one in 10,000 probably. But if it was one in 10,000, let's see, let's do the maths. And I'm feeling lazy. So let's say there's 8 billion people on this planet, more or less. Right? We're not going to... Uh, there's 800 million, there's 8 billion, divided by 10,000. Let's say that leaves 800,000 martial artists, which I think is a fair number. Let's call it a million. A million martial artists. What's the average martial artist like? I can tell you, because I've been doing martial arts since I was about four. The average martial artist is somebody that I can bitch slap, okay? Probably with only one hand. One hand behind my back, can use my legs and my arm. I can probably bitch slap your average martial artist on the planet. So out of a million people, probably half of them, I can kick their ass without breaking a sweat. Of the remaining half, let's say 50%, so we're talking about 500,000 people. I am in the top part of that 500,000 people. Again, it's a numbers thing. I've been doing martial arts for decades and I did martial arts for decades at a high level in karate and then I met a bunch of people that I couldn't touch and then I trained with them and the top guys in that field I still can't do shit to them but everybody below them I'm there or thereabouts and how many people that do that 
weird martial art that nobody knows anything about. You know, we're talking thousands, maybe tens of thousands at most. And in those tens of thousands, I'm not the top guy. I'm not the best guy, but I'm, you know, not the bottom guy. I'm in the top 50% of the people that are, you know, good, let's say. So where does that put me? That puts me in the point zero point zero 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 one percent of martial artists. So that's the maths. But when somebody asks me, I don't go like, oh, I'm in the zero 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 point zero zero. I'm like, yeah, I'm in the top one percent, I'd say. And the same goes for a bunch of other things that I've spent decades doing that most of you know nothing about because, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. So the fact that most of you think I'm an arrogant bastard is kind of by design because those of you that are like, think, oh, well, he's very arrogant. He's like, oh, yeah, fuck off. I, I, I don't need you in my life, you know. Those of you that can sort of like, well, let's see, just because he looks like an arrogant bastard, just because he acts like an arrogant bastard, but maybe he actually knows what he's doing. And again, you know, like a guy either pretending or being actually arrogant has never particularly put me off unless it's immediately obvious that he's an idiot, as in he says he can and he really can't. That that will put you off. But, you know, <laughs> Brad Allen says, thanks, man. I will try to do better. There's no need to, you know, I'm sure you're good enough. That, that, that's, don't put yourself down, you know. Uh, we all have our weaknesses and whatever. You know, I can hear the various monkeys. Like they, they always try and find a way around going to bed on time. But Margaretha says that she has to go now. Good night, good night, and uh, God bless you. I hope you'll, uh, you'll soon have some new friends of the said variety. Okay, well... Uh, Guys, like I said, if you want to go a little bit more, uh, tell me what you want to talk about or what you want me to talk about. Let me just see if I've missed anything. Oh. oh. I think the little dude is having another little... So I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to go just take care of the little Viking for a little bit. If you've got a completely different topic, a stupid question, whatever, smart question, just put it on the chat. Give me five minutes and I'll come back.
Oh, little dude's been having some disturbed sleep. Okay, you're all still here. I'm amazed. Are you planning on growing any other fruit trees on your property? Uh, fruit trees take quite a long time, and we've got quite a few. We've got this rowan berries, we've got figs, we've got cherries, uh, we've got some peaches, we've got some pears. So, you know, we, we, we've got quite a few things. Um, so it's not a priority at all, but, uh, you know, in due course, I suppose. We, we've got um, uh, walnuts, you know, so we, we've got stuff. Son of a gun says how to cleanse the church of Marxist subverters. Uh, you don't. The church is too far gone, so you just rebuild um, the original church. You become a proper Catholic, you become a proper Sede, you ignore the Novus Orco, you fight them on every turn, and you call them out at every turn uh, blatantly, like a proper crusader. You don't hide, you don't pretend it like, hey, but no, maybe, no. If you're a supposed priest of the supposed Catholic Church, the Novus Orcos, um, you're an orc, you're a Satanist, you're a Freemason, you're a liar, you're a deceiver. You cannot be a clergyman of the fake church and not know about Vatican II and the heresy in it. Um, if you are a clergyman of the so-called Catholic Church and you don't know about Vatican II, you're criminally incompetent. So I don't care either way. To me, you're a criminal either way. If you're a clergyman of the Novus Orco, you are a criminal. Either through criminal incompetence, you know, there is such a thing in legal um, legal terms, you can be criminally incompetent. In other words, you can be so stupid that it becomes criminal. Your stupidity becomes criminal. Your sloth, your inability to know your own job to the point where, you know, if, if, you, if you're going to be a guy who drives on the pavement, you say, no, but I'm a driver, I'm a bus driver, but you drive on the pavement because you're so stupid, you can't drive a bus properly. That's criminally incompetent. Um, and there's no real difference between a criminally incompetent person who drives the bus on the pavement killing people because he's too stupid literally to drive a bus, or a guy who does it intentionally. The result is the same. The punishment slightly different, but if you run over my kid, I don't give a crap which one of the two you are. I'm going to set you on fire. So <laughs> it's the same to me. Uh, any clergyman of the Novus Orca Church who dares to even approach me is gonna he's gonna get both battles to his face in terms of like you're a liar you're a deceiver what do you have to say about Vatican II what do you have to say for yourself huh you supporter of pedophiles give them no quarter whatsoever and the churchians the nominal Catholics that attend such churches and call themselves Catholic you know then you gotta sort of pick the individual a little bit but you know Drop your seeds. Don't don't be quiet. Don't just sort of like like oh well you attend the Novus Orca Church but they're they're full of heretics. They're they're not Catholics. They're no more Catholic than an Eskimo. In fact, they're less Catholic than an Eskimo. An Eskimo is potentially innocent of knowing about the Catholic Church. You're supposed to know. You call yourself a Catholic. How many documents are in Vatican II? How many of them contain direct heresy? Do you know what the Code of Canon Law of 1917 is? Do you know what the Encyclical of Pope Pius X are? But you call yourself a Catholic. Again, I refer back to, I'm an NBA player, or, you know, I'm an African pygmy. No, I'm not. doesn't matter what you call yourself. Prove it. So, Rakir says, thanks for the stream. I've been listening in a bit today. Frankly, I definitely enjoy your remarks on building communities. I feel this is the issue these days. Very inspiring and useful. Yeah, and, you know, the thing is, 
you have to be that leader that you're waiting for, you know? Everybody's waiting for the king to come down on the clouds and lead the armies. You're that guy. You're it. Be that guy. Uh, what are your thoughts about Project High Jump and the Nazi bases in Antarctica? Is there any bases in this theories? Absolutely there is. Brad, I know that you said you're not too smart and you're not a reader, but I suggest... Again, look, there's my name, since you seem to be a new guy. That's how you write it. I before the U, okay? That's my name. Google that on Amazon. And then buy the Overlords of Mars series of books. It's just two books so far because I haven't finished it. They're a fun read. I think they're a fun read. People enjoy reading them. And it explains, although it's fiction, it tells you what's really going on. Um, and in fact, I wrote this book, the first book, I wrote it over 10 years ago. And it's... Um, it's proving to be more fact than fiction. There's, there wasn't a lot of fiction to begin with in it, but there's even less. And I'm now being convinced that um, some of the stuff I wrote in there is really, you know, sometimes art is a precognition of, of what's coming. So, Sylvester Rep. Oh, also video number three. If you go to my video channels, like where you're on now, it's video number three. It might be a little bit out of sequence right at the beginning. I talk about the Nazis and so on. So that, that and and there's, I've done a few videos. Just scroll through the videos. Usually the the title of my videos is pretty self-explanatory. Sylvester Rep says, any thoughts on Miles Matthews ranting on everything being CIA and your charge exposure affecting your health? Uh, yeah, his science is way better than mainstream. Just not sure where to draw the line. Miles Matthews is a very smart guy, and he definitely has some some good stuff. But he's not right about everything. He is wrong about some things. Um, for a start, he's uh, I think he's an agnostic. He's not a Catholic, so he can't be right about a whole bunch of things. Uh, a lot of things are CIA. Like, think about it this way. You know, Andrew Kaufman and postmodernist art, that was CIA funded. The ugliness that is so-called postmodernism, which is a piss take, the name itself is, if you can speak, if you're average intelligent, you should have understood that postmodernist anything is absolute nonsense. The word postmodernist, yeah? So it means after the modern stuff, which the modern stuff is... At best, you know, if you, if you want to stretch it, it's today. Because modern things are today slash tomorrow. They're, they're still coming. You know, the very modest, most modern thing has just arrived. So post-modern. So it's after today. So tomorrow, which doesn't exist. Because it's not there yet. <laughs> so it's the future which hasn't been created and... Now you call that art, and it's a white line over a dog turd in the street. No, it's not art, it's shit. Okay, and it doesn't take a genius to figure out. But that stuff was funded by the CIA. They paid millions for a line through a dog shit to, to, to call it art just to fool people. Why? Because then you break down the batters of objective reality. You see, as long as people believe in objective reality, it's very difficult to fool them. You know, I can open a newspaper where they're saying, oh, uh, the incidence of COVID has, you know, killed 5,000 more people on the planet in the last week. 
on whatever, in Italy, in the last week, 5,000% more. Okay, 5,000% more of what? So one guy died last week. Now 5,000%. So if it was 100% more, it would be two guys. Yeah? Do the math. They're not telling you anything. They're just bullshitting you. And that's before you actually look at the lies in it. Because that's just the maths. The maths alone proves that they're talking nonsense. Then you've got to add the lie into it. And then you realize it's a nothing. So, you know, there is a lot of stuff that's been done that way. Um, I found his stuff on uh, Martin Luther very, very interesting. And um, that's... I, I did a video on that, on Martin Luther. Um, you know, and the Reformation. On the, on the Kurgan TV thing. So... Um, yeah, sometimes it's difficult where to throw the line if you if you're not able to yourself do the primary research or do the maths or do you know I bought his book Miles Matthews book on the light I think it's called it's a, one with a red cover and it's great it's good but I I need to have the time to refresh my calculus because I did calculus you know twenty something years ago and he just talks about it conversationally like he's talking about you know basic trigonometry. If it was basic trigonometry, I could follow. If it's calculus, I, I need a minute and I need to go and refresh my, my, my brain on that. But so far, what I've read seems to make sense. So I think it's probably um, correct on a lot of the physics things. Um, but he's not correct about everything. You know, it's like every human being is, is going to be wrong about stuff, some stuff. Cooper Chauvin says, I have the opportunity to buy into a veggie farm with two other people. They're not seder or even religious. Do you have a witch test to recommend? The opportunity is great, but the risk of owning one-third is as well. A lot of it has to do with your own personal take on things. Um, I would rather own uh, a plot of land that is only the size of a third by myself uh, than have a third of something that I share with two other people especially when they're not of my religion um, or, or even religious at all. Um, because especially if, if, you're, if they're not religious, then they're not reliable. To a certain extent, I would be more likely to buy half a plot with an Orthodox Muslim than I am with uh, a secular agnostic. Uh, because... Orthodox Muslim, I know exactly where he, where he stands. And before it, I can sort of say, we agree that these are the lines. We agree that if you cross this line, you are, uh, by your religion, you might be thinking that you're being clever by crossing the line, but by my religion, I will bury you one foot into the line of my property. So you stay on your side, I stay on my side, we're going to get along famously. And if you plant carrots and I plant tomatoes, I'll happily trade my tomatoes for a few of your carrots or whatever. Um, and you can have a better relationship like that um, than, than with somebody who you don't know where they stand, you know. So that's my personal take. But, you know, there are other people that feel completely different and that they're a bit more flexible and they can get along with anybody quite well and they don't mind, you know. The, you know, let's put it this way. If you're asking me, would I rather own a third of a three-hectare property or would I rather own a Hector outright? I'll take the Hector outright every single time. So that's my answer, but that might not be your answer, you know. 
Are you going to try to make wine at some point? Uh, probably very far in the future because the, um, the grapes that we've got, those two lines of grapes that we've got, I think produced a grand total of about 10 grapes. The one little plant that we've got in the, in the back over a couple of poles and stuff, that thing produced more grapes than, than we could eat with the kids. <laughs> Although, you know, they dried out pretty fast. We didn't, you know, we didn't look after it properly. So that was also a bit our fault. But, um, so, I don't know. When do you plan on assembling your first anti-gravity vehicle? Well, as soon as one of you, you know, gives me about 10 million euro so that I can take care of all this other crap quickly and create my walled community quickly. I mean, 10 million euros, I'm not asking for much. I will then also build a bunker in which the secret research for the anti-gravity technology will, will go on. 10 million, anybody? Anybody? You'll become a citizen, you know, 10 million. You donate 10 million euro to the Kurganet. I'll definitely make you a citizen. I'll even give you a passport. Kurganet flag and everything. Um, and then we can build anti-gravity devices. So I'm just waiting for a sponsor, guys. You know. uh, Caleb says, how many proper Catholic clerics and laymen would you estimate today? There's a lot more of us than then you know um, because you can you can do an estimated count i think there's about i don't know i think it's about 400 churches if you go to luxvera.org i never remember their exact website name so the easy way to remember it is if you go to canon188.com it's called canon with one n then the number 188.com there's a link there i think it's on the first page to the luxvera thing and if you count all the churches globally that are said the churches i Think there's in the region of 400, something like that. Assume 100 people per church, and you're saying, oh, well, you know, there's only 40,000 people. No. Because each one of the priests of those churches also goes to do masses around the country, wherever they are, in people's houses, in, you know, rooms of seminar rooms, and whatever, wherever they can get it. And for all the people that do attend Sede churches, there's a bunch of others that don't have the opportunity to go there, can only go there once every long because they're far away or whatever. So it, there is also another very interesting way that I measure things. In lasers and um, in morphic resonance, if you don't know what morphic resonance is, buy the book The Face on Mars and read it. Um, Basically, in both living and non-living things, once you get something oscillating, and it's about one, one in a thousand, roughly. One in, you know, they, there's a book called The Hundredth Monkey. Call, call it one in a hundred if you want to be a bit more conservative. But certainly between one in a thousand and three percent. So let's say between 0 0.1 and three percent, somewhere in there whether it's living or non-living organisms or, you know, supposedly dead matter, once it starts oscillating or having a resonance at the same frequency, the rest of it spontaneously flips. So if there's 1.2 or call it 1.5 billion nominal Catholics on Earth, if those numbers hold right, then again, uh, I don't want to think, but if you... Oops, what am I doing? Let, let's call it 1.5 to make round numbers easier. So if you've got 1.5 um, billion uh, 
nominal Catholics and you're saying that you have to get um, one thousandth of them before you know you spontaneously start to convert the rest then you need 1.5 million and I think that's probably we're probably getting close to that but you know if you're saying that you need a whole three percent well then you know you need um, well, let's see, 3% of 1.5 billion is uh, 1.5 billion, yeah, uh, times 0 0.03, then you need 45 million. So I think it's probably not 1,000, because if you had 1.5 million, but what, what I think happens, it's in stages. I think if you hit 1.5 million, then it'll start converting a bunch of other people quickly but definitely if we ever hit 45 50 million set of vacantists then i think that will be a time changer that will change a bunch of other people and i think the stuff that's going on is going to help accelerate that so um i hope that gives you a rough guideline that's that's what i you know if, if you're asking me how many people i would say there's definitely probably not 45 million of them i would estimate that there's uh, probably about a million, I would say, set of vacantists or set of vacantists adjacent or thinking about it or, you know, I want to be a set of vacantists but I haven't got baptized yet because I can't because I'm far away or whatever. Um, you know, keep in mind that just my little book, Believe, got me like dozens of people that wrote to me that they got baptized, you know, went through the whole process to become proper Catholics. And that's just one little guy. That I, I don't advertise it. I don't market it. I'm always being crap at marketing. So I hope that answers your question. Sylvester Rep says, got it. appreciate the answer. Yeah, that's why I ask. It would take me at least two years to do the primary research myself and understand all the math. Yeah, but sometimes it's worth it. Um, I don't think you're going to regret learning more maths. You know, that's that's always good. Someone start the Kurgan and go fund me. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you just reminded me Vox in one of his dark streams some years, a couple of years ago, said like, oh, somebody's like talking about like um, crowdfunding the Kurgan. And he goes, oh, that's a scary thought. Imagine the Kurgan doing stretch goals. And if we hit a million dollars, we can have two nuclear devices to take out our enemies. <laughs> so. <laughs> He knows me quite well. <laughs> uh, Sylvester, that would be my dream too, just to research and build esoteric tech. The electricity stuff is so fascinating. It is. Um, I'd say be careful, because people that succeed in that very well often get a visit by uh, men in sunglasses, let's call them. Uh, and sometimes they, they don't talk to you, they just get rid of you, depending on how successful you are. So I agree. It's very fascinating stuff. Um, but, you know, build that bunker first. Or, you know, once the Kurganet gets the 10 million and we've built the underground bunker in which to do our research, then come join us. You know, there's, there's, um, that's going to be going on, you know, separately. <laughs> Sylvester says, my curiosity is ahead of my skills. It always will be, uh, you know. My, I was looking at my son today, and he's very stubborn. 
and I but I'm, I'm trying to gauge it you know he's a he's a Taurus so my brother's a Taurus I know the Taurus mind there they are a stubborn people I don't care what people say about you know horoscopes or nonsense no he's a Taurus so he's stubborn by default but there's a certain nobility to his stubbornness he's um he just does not respond to any kind of emotional blackmail no matter how couched in like you know funny joke haha he's just like nah and i'm like so happy about that and and my little girl the, the baby she's the same and i thought that's awesome you know they're like i want water or give me you know that food and like are you gonna give me a kiss you know the mother especially you know oh give me a kiss say you love me sort of thing and i'm like just watching the little vikings like no or like give me the water <laughs> and i'm like yes boy you'll be a hit <laughs> And, uh, but the, th the funny thing is, even the little girl is, is like that, and, I, and that's great. Um, but my, you know, probably biggest, the thing that has made my life most interesting and most difficult is, is a bad combination of curiosity and lack of fear. Um, and it's, it's not that I'm not afraid of anything, you know, it's like I'm, I'm human, whatever, you know, everybody gets scared or whatever. But generally speaking, I'm not afraid of consequences of my being curious about whatever you know like I've, I've one of my hobbies has been to like infiltrate cults just to see what the hell's going on in there and no particular reason just curious you know like most people are like jeez dude or like you know there's a dangerous cave up there on the mountain me and my dad we went on this hill that was like by the locals in africa it was like no there's like you know there's evil spirits there and Oh, no white man can survive the night there, you know, whatever. We're like, we just climbed it over a weekend to like, just check it out. Like, oh, what's going on? You know, what's the big fucking deal? Oh, well, we've been all over the place and dug in every hole, checked out this, no, only little cave here. Nah. No demons, <laughs> you know? We're just like that. I mean, if, if you told me now that like, oh, at the end of your property, you know, in, in the deep forest down there, under the, the, the little creek, there's a little crack there, and then there's an underground tunnel and a cave. And the only thing about a cave, I'd be worried about it collapsing because you know. But if this no, there's there's an ancient like tunnel there where, you know, people just disappear, and I'd be like, hmm. My first thought wouldn't be like, oh, that's scary. It'd be like, okay, but what if I get oxygen tank just in case there's some poisonous gas shit? I could go down there, you know, with a lantern and a handgun, and just yeah, I could check it out. And, and if they said, I don't know, it's not gas, it's like the local people are saying there's a, you know, two-legged chupacabras that, like, eat people, and they live in that cave right there. I'd be like, oh, it's better if I get one of those lamps that sits on the head so both my hands are free, you know, for the sawn-off shotgun and the machete. <laughs> and it's, again, it's, it's not that I'm, I think I'm invincible or anything like that, I'm just curious. But it gets you into shit, you know, it gets you into problems, you know, like, it's, it's not, you know, you don't get a lot of caves and monsters in it nowadays, but you do get crazy women. And, you know, maybe a pretty crazy woman, you're like, yeah, she's crazy, oh, yeah, she's killed three people, but she's hot, you know, it's kind of like, I want to check it out, you know, it's, it'll get you into trouble. And I was thinking about my son, and it's like, his stubbornness is, is going to be, like, my curiosity. And he's also, he's also curious, but he's... I think it's a little bit more careful than I was sometimes. And sometimes it's completely reckless. So I don't know. 
And I thought, you know, his stubbornness is going to be like my curiosity and lack of fear. He's one of those kids, guys, he's going to be like, I'm going to go do that. And everybody's going to be like, that's impossible. You're going to die. And you're like, nah, fuck you all. I'm going to do that. Undoubtedly, it'll get him into trouble. But undoubtedly, it'll also make him more interesting and the kind of guy that can change stuff. Because the guy who just says, oh, oh okay, oh, is that where the line is? Oh, I better stay on this side of it then. Well, that guy didn't change shit. You know, he never will. So... Your curiosity is always going to be ahead of your skills, but your curiosity is also going to teach you a lot of stuff or get you killed. <laughs> so, you know, it's just how the cookie crumbles. Late, but hi there. Woolly Ram! Hello, Woolly! He's changed. What is Woolly Ram's little avatar? It looks like a circuit board or something. Yeah, it's... um. I like you guys' questions, you know, it's, they're good. Yeah, keep, keep shooting them out. If you got them, I'm enjoying it. I've been going for two hours, though, it's a long stream. I was thinking, also for the Kurganet videos, maybe I should make, I, I haven't done videos for like two or three weeks, just been super busy, but we're way ahead of schedule anyway. So, um, I'm not feeling too bad about that. We're going to have about 100, more than 160 videos by... August next year so but yeah um, sort of wondering about maybe making shorter videos because people seem to prefer shorter videos when they're educational I don't know I try and make them you know I try and give you more information so they end up being a bit longer but I, I don't really know what people prefer maybe I should um, find out from you guys those of you that are members sounds like a fun kid he is he's hilarious I mean like we we went to the to the park the other day and there was another couple there with like a little kid and I saw them, you know, they had their kid on the slide and then my kid went on the slide and was like, you know, quickly try to run there before something happens. And the, the parents were like, oh, he's your son, he's a spericolato, which is reckless, I suppose, because it's a pretty big slide and he's got a nice woolly jumper on it, which makes the slide faster. And, you know, his trousers are not as slidey as his woolly jumper. So what's he do? Head first. And he comes off that slide, like, literally, like, whew, you know, like, has to land with his hands to, like, not smash his face on the ground. So now he's done that twice, laughing his ass off. And now their kid is trying to copy him, but their kid is a bit smaller, and it's a girl. And they're like, no, darling. <laughs> I'm like, oh, sorry. You know, he's just, and they're like, looking at me like, what, this, this guy's a wild beast. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you don't know the half of it, man. I mean, uh, what does he do? What did he do? The, the, he's doing some... And plus, you know, we, we kind of play fight. And I guess that's my fault. Because when he was small, I used to like do that with him. And now he's like... He jumps at you with total recklessness. I mean... Like knees, elbows. He's, he's like throws himself. He's already... You know, I'm kind of using it to be fair. To like, you know, teach him a little bit of how to move and how to escape. And sometimes I, I like grab him a bit to like make him struggle for it and see... But, um, yeah, he's, um, Caleb says that he appreciated it and he'd be taking the long trek home soon. You see, like, Caleb's another guy who's got a discipline that, man, I, if I could teleport Caleb here to, like, pick my olives, <laughs> I, I would do it like that. <laughs> Honestly, that man, 
has got a discipline and, and, a, and a strength of character that I don't think he understands and and it's a shame and Brad I'm, I suspect you might be the same I'd give you a nuke in a heartbeat to take my money <laughs> buy all your books well thank you Brad that's you know frankly that's the best thing you can do really and um, if you want to be part of the Kurganet once I've set it up it's going to be set up in a way that anybody that invests in it there is a way um, and I don't know what it is, but there is a way that people who, in, who buy property in Italy can get some kind of a visa or some kind of a residence. So I don't know exactly how that works, but that is a thing. So if we can do um, a situation where people that buy a piece of it can become residents, um, I'll definitely try and look into that down the line. But, you know, again, we're talking months and I'm thinking probably the likelihood in today's money, which might change tomorrow, I'm thinking, realistically speaking, probably going to need an investment of about 50 grand to like buy a piece of like what I'm hoping that we can do, which I don't know yet if we can, which would be like a probably 30 square meter tiny home in a community, within a community of other 30 square meter little homes. Um, that would, I, I would guess, at most... Uh, be enough for uh, a family with two small kids you know a couple with two small kids would probably be the limit in 30 square meters um, but you know once you're there then from there we can build other stuff right and that would probably cost about 50 grand and you know whatever the the, 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 the paperwork and whatever the um, you know you, you'd have to have some kind of income I suppose whatever but I'm trying to make it as affordable as possible. I don't know if these numbers are going to hold or not, but, you know, it is it is what I'm hoping to be able to achieve. Um, and it will be open primarily to SEDE people. So if you're a SEDE guy and you're serious, and not just, you know, one of these like, oh, I got baptized SEDE, so I'm one of you guys. No, dude, you're going to have to prove that you're like a SEDE. They're going to get preference. I don't care if that sounds racist. I don't care. Once that Kurganet thing kicks off, if I manage to make it happen, because, you know, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, whatever, SEDES will get preference. I, I don't care what anybody says. Um, it will be, hopefully, a, a completely Catholic community. That doesn't mean that you're not a SEDE, you're completely excluded. But, you know, if I can choose between a SEDE and a non-SEDE, I'll pick the SEDE, because that's that's what it is. And And the religious part of it is very important. Because eventually, we're also hoping to have a chapel with a resident priest. You know, these are all things that are down the line. You know, I, I don't know if I'll achieve a tenth of what I'm hoping to achieve. But what else have I got to do for the next 50 years, you know? So, Holy Ram says, I think a video should be like a skirt. Long enough to cover the important bits, short enough to maintain interest. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you, Holy Ram. I guess I'm going to be doing 30-second videos after all. <laughs> Cordell says, I'm a Pixis, I guess. That's why I'm a plumber. Pisces, Pisces. That's why you're a plumber. I, I don't know. I don't think I've known Pisces men. I know that Pisces women are sluts and good in bed, but, um, you know, also quite stubborn. <laughs> Caleb says, personally, I like the longer educational videos when it's an interesting topic. I want to hear as much as I can. Your Mason video and Luther video sent me down the rabbit hole. 
yeah. So I don't know, you you know, you can't please all of the people all the time, right? So I guess I'll keep doing what I want to do. <laughs> Hello, Elia. Good evening, Kings. Oh, Margaretha was here earlier, but um, the other Finnish lady, she, she left. I think she had to look after her kid or husband or something. I don't know. But um, it's good that there are two, weirdly enough, I don't think there are any set of priests in Finland. I'm not sure. But we now have to see to, to answer your question about how many sedas are there in the world. Just from my crappy little stream, there's two Finnish people that either sede or wannabe sede. You know, I believe Elias baptized already. So for every one that we know about, there's probably a hundred that we don't know about. So I, I reckon if I had to put a guess on it, I would say about a million, million something probably. And I think when and if it hits the million and a half, we're going to know about it because it's going to start to accelerate. And I've already seen it just in the last year. I've seen a bunch of SETI acceleration really grow. A um, little bit of a problem nowadays in that if those of you that read my blog, you know, the three of you and a couple of um, Russian bots know that I've recently blogged about Bishop Sandborn, which is going a little bit off the path uh, or a lot off the path. <clears throat> so that would be a problem because he's quite a prominent bishop with quite a prominent um, following. But I don't care who you are. If you go off the path, you go off the path. I'm going to call you out on it because the only reason we're in the current situation is because laymen and clergy cowardly did not do their job. So that's never going to happen as long as I'm drawing breath. If you're a clergyman and you ignore canon law, you go against canon law, you just make shit up, I'm going to call you out every time. To your face, if need be. I don't, I don't care. It's, I don't have to do it behind the screen. And Brad says, I like the long videos like the one where you got through great Catholic warriors. And that inspired me to be a Catholic. Good. Excellent. Uh, Brad, I don't know if you're one of those millennials that, you know, finds reading hurts their brain. I hope not. And if you are, change. Become better and read books. Um, and if you if you get inspired by my video, I guarantee you that if you take the time to buy a book called The Crusades of Iron Men and Saints by a man called Harold Lamb, was written in the 1940s. You can get it cheaply on Kindle for probably a couple of bucks. Finding the hardcover or, or the softcover physical book is a bit harder and it will cost you quite a lot more. But it can be done. Eight books, people like that. Read that book. If you're a man and you read the Crusades and after that you still, you know, feel nothing for being Catholic, you're either dead, completely brainwashed or working for the enemy. It's an amazing book and it's not fiction. That's the thing. The guy who wrote the book was some kind of fanatic about, you know, he, he got paperwork from both sides at the time. He, he researched that. That I, um, from he, he got Arabic writings of the time. He got um, Christian writings of the time. He, he it's an excellent piece of historical work. So, when it comes to challenging new orcs, what's the best way of attacking online if they're the type that post walls of text? Um, make them do all the work. Harold Lamb, Lamb like like the the baby sheep. Harold, you spelt right, Lamb, L-A-M-B, B for, I don't know, what, 
big. Um, so attacking new orcs online if they post false attacks, do, do all the work. If, if you if you're on Social Galactic, look at how I've dealt with um, the fake deacon there. You know, the fake Catholic deacon, Padre Gio. He, he's been writing blog posts about me for the last three months, and I'll I'll write him a one-line answer that's like, um, can Freemasons be Catholics? And then he's like, eh, no, they can't. Well, then why are you defending Milo, who's a Freemason? That's because you're a Freemason. What are you going to say to that? And he's like, eh, a wall of text. And then like he's wrote those, this whole three or four posts about, Canon 188 Part 4 doesn't say that. I'm like, so your premise here is that if you're a child-molesting, baby-eating Satanist, but you were validly ordained, then you're still a good priest, right? You can just be a Catholic priest. No. A five-year-old understands that's nonsense. And in any case, you were never validly ordained. So you're not a priest of anything. <laughs> you know, um, guys who write walls of text, you're not going to change their mind. So what you got to do is just... Um, drop your rhetoric nukes and the bigger the nuke the better make it funny make it like so that anybody that reads goes "Ooh, he got burnt there yeah i didn't think of that you know it's like that uh, that meme i posted somewhere of like colombo going just just one more thing though if the unvaccinated are not allowed inside the hospitals uh who's overflowing the hospitals with patients what kind of patients are they <laughs> you know that sort of thing. It's like ooh, undeniable uh, dialectic, but wrapped in radioactive rhetoric <laughs> with a half-life of 10 million years. Hello, backstabber. So, oh, you, you, the numbers have gone up again after 2 hours 20. What's wrong with you people? Don't you have lives? <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm enjoying the, the questions. I... Uh, I love my chat, you know, after the few thousand gammas that have buried and banned, uh, it's, it's a nice clean chat. It's funny though, I'm still shadow banned for over a year, my my numbers are stuck at like 1936, 1948, 1956, can't break the 2000 people follower barriers, it's, it's just hilarious. But I've been going for two hours, 20 minutes. Uh, I was thinking of maybe catching a film with the wife since the kids are all in bed at 9.20. It's just rare. Oh, yes. Uh, Wooly Ram says, I found that repeatedly asking what is the fruit of V2 gets him to spew words until he clams up and claims the discussion is over. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you, you know, if you, I don't know if you've got my book or not, but otherwise just pick one of the Vatican II documents that's got clear heresy in it and don't even refer to it. Sort of say like, so uh, do you agree with the Catholic dogma that it is wrong for Catholics to, um, you know, pray with people from other religions? And if he says yes, then you're like, oh, so you, you do agree that, that this document of Vatican II in point number X, whatever it is, I forget, um, is complete heresy, right? Right? <laughs> and if he says no, then he's screwed. If he says no to begin with, he says, well, well, then you're not a Catholic, because that's Catholic dogma. So, you know, get him on the dialectic. The thing about Catholicism, it's perfectly logical, it makes sense, and it the logic follows throughout. That's the beauty of it. So, 
Sylvester says, I lost patience with a friend of mine and called him a retard for six months. He finally got annoyed enough to try and disprove my argument and he flipped. I got him. There you go. Persistence. That's another very good point. Um, you know, the gammas rely on them being saying, ha ha, I've had the last word and flouncing off claiming victory. When they run into me, they run into, you know, they do a wall of text and when I've got time, I'll do a wall of text right back, destroying their thing to pieces, but not just like in a polite, oh, you said this, but I said that, because I know they're dishonest. You know, in the Reclaiming the Catholic Church, I point out 11 things that they do, and they only have those 11 things. So once you see it, you can recognize it, and you say, oh, um, you've, you've done number two here, number three here, number four here, number eight there. I've done that on my blog with the Padre Gio guy. So just nail them on, on the facts, and once you get, you know, like the, the thing that they hate, Canon 188 Part 4. And it doesn't mean... Yes, it does. Canon 188 Part 4. Canon 188 Part 4. It's like a nail. You know, just good done, good done, good done, good done. And you're just hammering it into their brain. And no matter what they say, Canon 188 Part 4 says exactly what it says. And that Padre Gio wrote like, you know, whatever, four or five blog posts on Canon 188 doesn't actually say. And so what would you... Um, Chad found it. I think it's a little screenshot of a little text from 1584 that referring to, <laughs> to <laughs> cum ex apostolato feature on which canon 188 part 4 is based that says um, and even if a pope were a legitimate pope once he behaves like a heretic he is no longer a catholic so he's no longer a pope boom you know it's been it's been that way for over 500 years so piss off and it like what can they say to that that's the beauty of Catholicism. It's perfectly logical. It all follows through. B Brand says, bought it. Thanks for the advice. Thank you. That's very, very impressed with you. Just dropped in, asked a few questions, and, and, and just, you know, follow the orders. You might be an immortal yet. Willie Ram says, he's a better word twister than I am. I'll give it a second run when he inevitably runs his mouth again. I am assuming that the gentleman is of a certain tribe, given where you live, and they're very fast on their feet at a superficial level. Um, so make sure that you point out to him um, and, and trap him, you know, trap him first. Say, so, what do you think of the Talmud then? So you, you, you're you a Jew, right? Yeah, uh -huh, I see, I see. Well, you know, I was used to be Jewish myself, so um, it's just... I couldn't agree with the with the you know the the religion of the Talmud. It's just oh, but the Talmud is just commentary. Yeah, yeah, but it's you know it's accepted commentary, and um, I, I just can't abide with with any religion that says that fucking three year olds is fine. What are you talking? It's in the Talmud. Oh, do you do you want the book reference? Do you want the page reference? Uh, here it is. And, you know you can Google it. It's it's on you know it's on it's on the internet. What's it going to say to that then, you know? So, hit them where it hurts. Uh, Freeman of the Sand, phew, that's a relief. I always personally vowed that the current Pope is a heretic, didn't know it was. Dude, are you new here or something? That's what Sedevacantism is. He's not even a heretic. I don't believe Bergoglio was ever a Catholic to begin with. So, you know. It's an online dude who calls himself brother. <laughs> I'd refer to him as sister, just on principle. 
He loves quoting the 1917 canon. Well, then he can't be um, a Novus Orco because the Novus Orco is saying that the 1917 canon has been abrogated. Um, and Woolly, just ping me an email. Um, I can ping you a text that will uh, will help with whatever arguments he's got. I guess the reason no cardinal or bishop calls out the Pope's heresies, I'm told a Jesuit may not be more than a priest, is blackmail. Uh, no, it's because all the people in the Vatican are themselves Freemasons, Satanists. Seriously, Freeman on the Sand, I don't know, go to my blog, read some stuff, you know, get Reclaiming the Catholic Church and read that if you're confused. It's, I thought you've been here before and you kind of know what's going on, but clearly you don't. CM says, is it colder? Yeah, it is. Um, it is cold. But uh, guys, it's two and a half hours pretty much. Uh, thank you all very much for, for being here this long, listening to me ramble on. I really enjoy our uh, our chats. Um, so again, thank you. Freeman says he's a Catholic as the Archbishop of Canterbury is Anglican, i.e. there are elves who hate Jesus and Christmas. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Sylvester, and um, good night to all of you, and God bless you and keep you, every single one of you, immortals and not, and um, kind of looking forward to trying to convert the chief of the Gammas. That's one of the things I'm going to look forward to, hopefully before Christmas. Good night, everybody, and uh, keep happy, keep well. Remember, the worse it gets, the better it is for us. <laughs> you too, Woody, rest well. No worries, CM, you can always catch it on the rebound. Good night.